But it is great to be here. If you have your copy of God's Word, open up to the book of Mark. Our sermon is going to be fairly short. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8 is the actual text for the whole sermon, but we're just going to concentrate on two little words. As the bulletin says, and Peter. Now, I hope that by the end of this sermon that you feel built up and edified because of what Christ did for Peter, he very much so can do for us. So, I'm going to read the entirety of the text, but again, we're just going to focus on those two little words. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Remember, this is God's word, and it is perfect. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very, very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for this wonderful Lord's Day, where we get to come and hear your word preached, and to be built up and edified and strengthened in it, to send us forth for the work week. Father, please use us in any way that you see fit to draw your people to you, to build up and edify one another. Father, we all need you more and more every day without exception. We thank you so much for the example that you have given us through Peter. Father, please help us to learn from him and from the example that you have given us through him. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. So we're just going to get straight to it, and we're going to go to the whole point about and Peter. Understand this. Peter was far from perfect, wasn't he? Uh, (laughs) He was very far from perfect. He had a habit of opening his mouth at times when he should have kept it shut. But other times when he does open his mouth, it's amazing the things that flow forth from him. When the disciples or the apostles are all mentioned, he is always mentioned first, and it's always for a reason. But let me ask you a question. If you know the answer, I want you to answer. Why do you think that was? Why was Peter always mentioned first? Nobody? Because he had a type A personality, and he wanted to let everybody know that, I got this. That's why. 
He was always so outspoken and quick to speak up for everybody. He was the one who wanted to be in front of everybody and to be seen as the leader. There was a book written by John MacArthur called The Twelve Ordinary Men, talking about the Twelve Apostles. And the chapter, if you don't know the book, the chapter written about Peter was called The Man with the Foot-Shaped Mouth. Kind of accurate, don't you think? The more you study Peter, the more you read through his word, it's like, man, sometimes he's with you. Just slow down, Peter. Slow down. It's all good. How many of us can truly relate to that? I know that I can. Because I know at times, especially when I was younger, that I would speak way too fast. And one of the sermon illustrations I use so many times now in trying to teach people how to be godly, it's a very simple thing. God gave us two eyes, two ears, and one mouth. We should listen and see twice as much as what we ever speak. I think a lot of people, including myself, would be much better in life and not be so pushed down and feel so bad if we would take the time to do that. We need to listen twice as much. When Christ was transfigured, he should have just kept quiet, but Peter didn't do that. Instead, he says in Matthew 17, 4 through 6, And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. God was literally telling people to be, uh, Peter to be quiet. Listen to my son. Or how about when Peter gets it right, but then horribly wrong, just a short time later, Matthew 16, 15 through 19. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied again, first as always, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He gets a great big pat on the back from Christ. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he just goes wrong just a few minutes later, it seems like. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From that time, James began to show his disciples, I mean, uh, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus, he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your things on the mind of, excuse me, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Mountaintop one moment, and down in the valley, buried underneath the dirt the next. Great highs, great lows. Again, I know I've had moments like that. He's all in with everything he does. 
He has some spectacular successes and then some spectacular crashes. This is honestly the kind of person you love to hang around because he's so full of energy and so full of life. You want to kind of see what he's going to do next. But then other times you just wish that you could take him aside and say, Peter, just slow down, brother. You're wearing people out. (laughs) You're wearing yourself out. You're being too quick to speak. Slow down. Peter always needed to be in the limelight. Now, earlier on in the night in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14, 37 and 38, it reads this. And he, being Jesus, came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let me ask you a question. And again, I honestly want an answer. Do you think Jesus got tired of teaching Peter? Do you think in Jesus' mind he's thinking, Peter, slow down, let me teach you. You think he did? That's a good answer, but I don't think he did. The reason being, because he knew what was going to happen. Jesus being God incarnate, the, the deity side of him knew what Peter was going to be doing He knew it was going to happen that very night. He even tells Peter about it. I know you're going to deny me, but you're still mine. I don't think he ever got tired of trying to correct Peter and teach him. Because he knew what was going to happen. And he also knew that the day will come when Peter would never, ever deny him again. Jesus warns Peter, but that overconfident Peter again speaks before listening and it cost him bitterly. Mark 14, 27 through 31, and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter, being Peter, said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said it emphatically. He still didn't get it. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And then they all said the same. Did Peter just think that Jesus was wrong about him? I don't think so. But Peter didn't get it. But then in Mark 14, 66 through 72, it speaks of Peter being broken by God. And it ends in verse 72, which reads, And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. I prefer where it says, and he broke down and wept bitterly. Let me ask you a question. After that specific time, I'm going, again, I want an answer. Do you think Peter would ever deny Christ again? Good answer, buddy. You got it right. He would never deny him again. Sometimes Christ and God has to break us to draw us to him, to get closer and closer to him, to be used by him to do what he wants us to do, So that way we don't follow our own hearts. We let 
the Holy Spirit work with our spirit and lead us to do what is right. And that's exactly what happened with Peter. Think about this. Tradition has it that he was crucified upside down. But what a lot of people don't know, he was forced to watch his wife be crucified first. He had to watch his wife die for the cause of Christ. And he would never deny her again to the point that even he was then crucified upside down on a cross. We need to learn from that. Because even in our most broken moments, when we understand who God is and we understand who we are, it allows us to be used of God. Peter was an amazing apostle, but he was still just a man, just like you and I. God used him mightily, and he can use us. And whatever calling that is, wherever you're at, whether it's uh, working at BMW where I used to work or Jamie used to work or building roads somewhere, mowing yards, whatever the case is, God can use you right where you're at. And it's a glorious thing when we take the time to listen and do what he tells us to do. Amen? All right. So, I'm going to turn, the reason why this is on up here is because we have some pretty good pictures, but unfortunately the projectors don't project uh, very well. So, I'm going to ask you if you would, if you want to see the pictures really well, move up and over to this side or at least move forward. Because we're going to go to the update for Hope in the Desert now. I'll give you a little bit of time to do that if you want. I see some I see some shine kids out there. How do you say hello in Otham? There you go. Shopkaij. <laughs> Obviously, my name is John Cordy. My wife is Bethana. For those of you who are new here, um, we seem like the new ones, don't we? But <laughs> we we were a member at this church for over 12 years before they sent us out to the Ta'ana Autumn Reservation and the Akama Autumn Reservations. Um, if you're about my age. Um, I'm in my mid-50s. You would probably know these two tribes as the Pima and the Papago. Um, They changed their name from those terms back to what their names originally were before the conquistadors gave them the Pima and the Papago. Where we live is where that star is. We're in between the two reservations in a little city called Arizona City. Uh, My wife says it's a lot of Arizona and very little city which is very true, we are surrounded by all things cotton fields. Can you believe that? In the middle of the desert, we're surrounded by cotton fields. It's pretty cool, though. Um, We always want to go take some of the cotton plants and hang them up on the walls and do different decorating things with them. But that's where we're at. And this great big chunk right here, it actually, some of it goes into Mexico about like that. That's the Ana Autumn Reservation, and there's also a little chunk over here called San Javier. It's made up of 13 different districts. 
And it's about the size of Connecticut, for those of you who don't know. For us to get, how many of you have a long drive to church, a half an hour or more? Okay, for us to get to church, it takes an hour and a half at about 65 and 70 miles an hour. For those that have been out there, they'll testify. We come all the way down here to a little town called Sells. That's where this kind of great big yellow dot is. The green dot is a, a man that I uh, counsel and spend time with on the phone and texting in a village called Hickawan. One of the great things about that village is how many of you like donkeys? Yeah, donkeys are cool. I always wanted to run, name one Eeyore. But they have wild donkeys on that part of the reservation. It's funny watching the Arizona Department of Transportation herd wild donkeys. Can you imagine going home to your wife and say, what did you do today? Well, I rounded up wild donkeys. Okay. That happens, and we've seen it happen over here on the, the western side of the reservation. Again, the red dot is where we are. The pink dot up here is the Gila River Indian Reservation, Akamel Atam. That's Pima Cotton, if you've ever heard of that. They're the ones who grow it. That's where it all came from. They're, the two tribes are cousins, but they couldn't be more different in so many different ways. The Pima are very industrious. They're farmers. And a lot of them are Presbyterian or Baptist. The Ta'ana Atam are not very industrious. Uh, it's too hot in the middle of the desert, especially today. It was supposed to be, I think, a, what was it? 110? And, but it only had, what, 13% humidity? Folks, it's still 110. <laughs> okay? I don't care if it's 13% humidity or not. Do you think the turkey cares what you do when you stick it in the oven? Oh, it's only 200 degrees, but it's low humidity. No, it's going to cook you. It does the same thing out there, all right? So, again, this is where we do a lot of teaching and preaching in the capital of Cells with First Papago Baptist Church, and I'll talk more about the pastor there. We go there on Sundays and Wednesdays. Did you catch that? Sundays and Wednesdays. That's six hours of driving for church a week. Are you willing to do that? Why not? We live way up here, but we go all the way down here. This is a little village called Choo Choo. Whenever you think of the song Chattanooga Choo Choo, think about us and pray for us. That's 15 minutes from our house. We go there every Sunday afternoon and do visitation and also do a Bible club with the kids. And again, I'll show you some pictures of that in just a few minutes. Whoa, it went fast. What happened there? This is the Gila River Indian Reservation, the Pima Reservation, Akamel Othan, all same thing. This is the capital of it, uh, Sacatone. This little red circle up here is Santan Baptist Church. I've spent a lot of time preaching there and filling in the pulpit for the pastor there. And the last time I preached on that reservation was this little church down here called Blackwater. They've been without a pastor now for several years. And uh, they'll call me every couple of months, can you come preach? Uh, they're still looking for a pastor. So pray for them. Uh, this is First Papago Baptist Church. Uh, obviously, this is the pulpit there. And behind it is a cross. Can any of you see something different about that cross? It might be too hard for you to see even from this picture. It's actually made of a saguaro. The saguaro spines of a cross, I mean of a 
the saguaro spines of the cactus that was made by a lady in the church. She went out to the desert, got the saguaro spines, and did it up. It's a beautiful cross. It's the only one that I've ever seen like it, but, and it really highlights the people and the, the people there. This is me teaching on a Wednesday night. Um, lately, Pastor Jay has asked me to be teaching through the parables, and that's what I've been doing until I've come on the trip. Uh, he's taken over uh, while I'm gone, and this is Pastor Jay himself. Uh, he stands probably about that tall, about that wide. He's a great big guy, but he's, a, he's an absolute teddy bear who absolutely is on fire for Christ. Where we were when we first met him to where he is now is like night and day. He was literally handed the keys to the church and told him, hey, you're the pastor now. The pastor that was there walked out and left. No discipleship at all. (laughs) No training in seminary. No, this is how you reach your people. Here are the keys. That was 20 years ago. But to see where he is now, I honestly hope that someday he gets the chance to come here and preach. He's he's an amazing preacher and an amazing pastor. But these are the people, just some of them. Um, If Kendra wasn't sitting way in there in the back, she would notice that guy there. Um, (laughs) He's a great guy. Uh, His name is Clayton. He graduated the same year as Jane did, our daughter that's a member here. Uh, Just some of the folks. They've adopted us. We're Otham, but we're not Otham, obviously. But we're awesome. They've adopted us. And it's, it's just an amazing time. One of the things that we've experienced during COVID was actually talked about last week during the, the conference was how sometimes missionaries can get really lonely. They miss the fellowship with fellow believers. And it's, it's absolutely true. When COVID hit, it, it, we didn't know what to do. We really didn't. We were praying that God would work something out. God brought us closer to those folks. When the reservation closed down, they closed down for two months, but they opened back up slowly but surely to where they started doing things just on Sunday. Then just a a few months ago, they started meeting again on Wednesdays. They actually worked through the 1689, and thanks to the generousness of this church, they all had their own copy of the 1689, so thank you for that. They're just good folks. They're just down-to-earth people who love God. And uh, they filled a need for us that was really needed. Santan Baptist Church, this is the pulpit there. And you can't see it even with this picture up here. But that's the pastor back there. His name is Lee Miguel. He's a little guy. He's only about this tall. And he's an absolute sweetheart. He does everything in the church, unfortunately. And I say that because he's getting wore out. He has a, a man in the church who... Um, felt led to be a pastor and a preacher, but unfortunately, he's just not qualified. And that's one of the things that we're trying to remedy. Okay, and I'll explain that also in just a few minutes. This is a picture of me in the pulpit at Blackwater Baptist Church. Tiny little church. (laughs) You could probably fit about 40 to 50 people in there comfortably, maybe one quarter of this. (laughs) But that's it. But again... The people love Christ. These faces are amazing. These are the kids from the Bible club. Uh, And this is the village of Choo Choo. Um, 
Everything that we do in the village of Choo Choo is outside. We don't have a church. We don't have a building. We don't have a shed. We don't have a tent. Everything is outside, okay? We get to deal with that all the time. Dogs. Res dogs. It's kind of fun sometimes watching what the dogs do, but they'll get under the table and disrupt everything. The kids will kind of try and shoo them away and all that stuff, but... It's amazing what these little kids do. We've given them memory verses, and if they can say their memory verses, we work through all that, and they get a star, and if they could say all their memory verses, they get a little prize. There's a little girl, um, and you think, yeah, right here on the next slide, her. <laughs> Zaley. And that's her little sister, Destiny. And they also have another little sister back on the other picture, her, named Selena, and they also have another little sister who doesn't come. She's too small, named Alexa. But this little girl is probably one of the best people I've ever met at memorizing stuff. I mean, we would give her a memory verse, and the next week she'd have it memorized. And not only would she memorize it, she would teach it to her. I mean, it was amazing the way that she could do this. Sometimes when they show up, they're really nice and neat and clean, and that's really cool. But other times they show up, you could tell that one or two of them or both of them have been crying. It's like, what's going on, honey? Are, are you okay? Well, mommy and daddy are fighting. So it just, these kids need love. These kids need love. But it's so cool when they see us pulling up, they'll start running to where we meet. We meet outside this one house under a huge cottonwood tree, Normally, unless the bees are out. But <laughs> they'll see us coming, and as soon as they see us and get out of the car, they'll give us a great big hug, and they call us the Bible people. And so, <laughs> that's okay. You know, Bible people, well, yeah, we teach the Bible, so that's cool. But that's uh, Zalian Destiny, Cole and Cloud, uh, Eva, Abel, Mason. Oh, yeah, Selena, and that's George. He's also in this picture somewhere over here. Uh, that's whose yard we have our Bible club in. And again, some more pictures of Bible club. One of the things that we do with them is uh, we use, the, for the most part, the children's storybook Bible. And we'll read them a story, have them color a picture for it, do some memory work, sing a song, uh, a couple of songs, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. But anything we can do to get the word of God seated in their hearts. Because unfortunately, one of the dirty little secrets about this Indian nation, and it's not just there, it's a dirty little secret all across the country, is the amount of abuse that goes on. And it's heartbreaking when you start to realize the numbers that it affects. These kids need hope. That's why we're there. And it's because of you sending us that we're there, and we thank you for it. Some of the families, <laughs> there's George and little Destiny, and this is Joey and Carmen. Again, this is the yard that we meet in. Here's the great big cottonwood tree. These are incredible folks. Um, do you think that, the, I think they would say that they're Christians, that they believe in God. They would say that, but practically lived out, not necessarily. Um, at times he's very traditional, at other times uh, very Catholic, 
His wife comes from a very charismatic background and uh, yeah, Jehovah's Witnesses. So that made uh, things interesting, especially at first. But one of the ways that you know that you've made it into their friendship is when they invite you into the house. That's pretty cool. But then if they invite you to dinner, you've definitely made it. And believe me, you're going to want to eat that dinner because it's good. <laughs> we'll talk about the food in just a minute. But we visit them after Bible club. I'll spend a half an hour or so, 45 minutes with them, sharing the word of God with them. We've been working through um, the Sermon on the Mount, just going two and three verses at a time. So that way it's small little trunks, one page. That way they can read over it themselves. And she'll comment a lot about it. He's normally pretty quiet. This man down here, his name is Donnie. Uh, For the longest time, whenever we would see him, he would be drunk. In the past month or so, things have changed. I don't know what. Um, It seems like hopefully God is doing something in him. Uh, At least I'm hoping that's the case. Because this young man right here, his name is Josh. He's been wanting to come with us out onto the into the village of Choo Choo to do some work with us. Um, He's actually the one that's filling in for us on Sundays right now in the village of Choo Choo doing the Bible club and also the visitation. And I, I hope, I hope that I'm right and something has changed in him because about the last three or four times we've been out there to visit with him, he hasn't been drunk. And it's an amazing thing to see the difference in him. It really is. Then we got Miss Carlene. She's the one over here. She's normally the first house that we stop at. Um, at one time, um, she would be hyped up on drugs uh, a lot of times. But um, we get to spend a lot of time with her and share the word of God. And one of the great things that's come about us, me giving her that paper with the word of God is she's been sitting in her house reading it and her son's. Uh, most of them teenagers, too, that are in their 20s will start asking her questions about it. And it's like, Carlene, all you have to do is call me if there's a question, and I can answer it. That's one thing about being a missionary, the same thing that I'm sure the pastors here will tell you. It's a 24-hour-a-day job. My phone, my phone never goes off. It's always on. So if you need me, even here, call me. I'll answer. But it's the same thing out there. This is a problem with us meeting outside. What does that look like to you? It's wind. I heard it. You you saw these already, didn't you? It's a sandstorm. If it's a sandstorm, what can you do outside? Nothing. You get sandblasted, but you can't do anything outside. So some Sundays, unfortunately, we'll go out there and we'll stop at each of the kids' houses and and leave them the coloring pictures that we'll be doing the next week as well. (laughs) so that way they at least know that we're there. One of the things that you want to make sure that people understand is that you care for them, that you're willing to spend time with them, that you matter to them. How does the saying go? People don't care what you know until they know that you care. All right? That's one of the things that Y'all sending out, us out there have allowed us to do, to spend time getting involved in their lives, to see how they live, to show them that we care about them. As uh, the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Some of these people, I've been threatened with a shotgun in the village of Choo Choo. Some of these people are hard to love. But it doesn't matter. We still got to love them. Right? Second great commandment. If we're not doing it, we're sinning. One of our favorite ministries before COVID hit was going to Archie Hendricks Elders Home. It's a nursing home. It's one of the things that I absolutely love doing. We have some incredible folks that we get to spend time with. But then when COVID hit, it was the first thing that shut down. About uh, three months ago, maybe four months ago, no, three months ago, they allowed it where two people were allowed to go back in and spend time. You still weren't supposed to get close to the people, and you had to wear a mask the whole time. It's kind of hard to preach in a mask and sing in a mask, but we did it. And there's a man by the name of Randy and his wife, Nanette, that are filling in for us while we're here now. God always brings along help when help is needed. You just have to be patient. (laughs) And everything, the way God worked it out for us to come on this trip and the help that he provided is absolutely amazing. It's always God's timing, not my timing. And I am truly grateful for that. But for the longest time, we were meeting virtually. That's our living room and uh, us meeting over something called Jitsi Meet. And again, the ministry helpers. This is Randy and his wife, Nanette, and again, Josh. And uh, Josh should be heading out there before, well, probably in about another three hours to go spend time with the kids. One of the things we've been doing lately is trying to really encourage these Native American pastors. Pastor Jay Wan, again, literally just handed the keys. You're the pastor. And this man here, that's my wife did a great job of blowing that picture up. That's Pastor Lee Miguel at Santan Baptist Church. He was also literally just handed the keys and said, you're the pastor now. Can you imagine a church here doing that? No. But one of the things that they've asked me to do, and thanks to my training through RBS, thank you, Doc, Uh, Thanks to my training in RBS, I've been able to start teaching leadership classes to these men. And anybody in the church that feels led to being possibly a deacon or an elder, or just a man in the church. Because one of the severe problems that they have is the men do not step up. They don't understand what it means to be a Christian. They don't understand what it is to be a Christian man, Christian husband or father, and to step up and lead the church. The Saturday before we left, we had a leadership training program that Jay was there for, and he had me do the teaching about what it meant to be a qualified deacon and elder in a church. We worked our way systematically from Genesis all the way through to to try and understand what a man's role is and what a man's role in the church is, what the qualifications for deacons are, what the qualifications for elders are. And it was a great time. And before we left, they said, okay, well, what's the next topic going to be? It's not my deal. It's up to Jay to say what the next topic is going to be. Well, one of the men said, Um, what version of the Bible is the best to use? So that's going to be the next topic. We're going to use Gordon Fee's book. Um, Another young man, a pastor in the area, is actually coming, a graduate of RBS as well, by the name of Jesse Hackworth. Uh, Him and I have a friendship, and we spend a lot of time together, just the two of us. 
Uh, I try to encourage him, and in turn, I am very much encouraged by him and his family. But he's actually going to be teaching the next section on that. And Bethana will do all the cooking, will provide the house, and the guys absolutely love it. Uh, this past time, how many did we have there? Well, that's us in our house. <laughs> so that's Jesse Hackworth. So Jay, Jesse, Jose, um, Troy, Mel. This is Jay's youngest son, Jensen, who should play linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Uh, me and John Nish. But this is sitting around in our house going through those, that leadership training. It's a glorious thing to see him. He has such a heart for the people. And he really wants his people and the Akamel Otham people to know who Christ is. That's his burning passion. And he sent me a text that I'm going to share with you in just a few minutes. Just real briefly, the traditional foods, and it is because I know it's a prayer, day of prayer and fasting. So hopefully this, when the sun sets, if you're done your fasting, you'll get to go get something to eat, but you're not going to get something this good, sorry. But, but this, is, this is their Native American chili, potato salad, beans, and something called chumit. It's like a tortilla, except a lot better, a lot thinner, a lot bigger. Can't explain it to you, you just have to come try it. And you are welcome to come try it. Uh, their fry bread or Navajo tacos. Oh, Indian bread. Sorry. Indian burger, not Navajo tacos. You make Navajo tacos. That's an Indian burger. And, of course, everybody's favorite soup, menudo. Mm, can't, I still can't stomach that stuff. <laughs> hey, kids, how many of you like slushies? You like slushies? You want to try that slushy? It's a pickle slushy. <laughs> Take dill pickle juice, put it in chopped ice, you got a pickle slushy. And the kids love it. Their candy, you can ask Alexander back there, my son-in-law. Uh, we had fun, so much fun with him when he came out to visit us. We introduced him to their candy. And he's like, this isn't candy. <laughs> Back here, we always expect candy to be sweet and something that's going to just, oh. Out there, it's all hot and spicy, especially these. This is like their favorite treat is Takis, and it'll melt your eyebrows. So something called a saladito. It's nothing but a dried-up uh, prune that's soaked in salt, and you put it in the middle of the lemon, and you squeeze the juice into your mouth, and... The uh, I can't even describe it to you. But anyhow, that's their treats. How can you pray for us? Real briefly, pray that their churches will be strengthened. Lord knows they need it. Again, we need the men to step up. They're not doing it. Their culture is one of being very laid back, and the men just are happy. If, if I don't have to do the work and the woman's willing to do the work, so be it. I get to sit back and I'm okay. No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. The men need to lead the church. So pray for their churches to be strengthened. Pray for the pastoral training that it will continue and that these men through this training will learn what it means to step up. Next, and the, the village of Choo Choo. 
that there will be some true conversions because what do you need to have a church? You need believers. There aren't any. <laughs> it's kind of hard to have a, a church service where there aren't any believers. Pray that the gospel seed will reap a harvest of souls and pray that Jesus Christ will be glorified in our lives. Real quick, the text that Jay sent this morning um, to me was talking about something that him and I have been talking about for about two years. They have the space on the church grounds there at First Papago in the capital of Cells where they could have a small school. The education system out there is horrible. The average education is fourth grade for most people for lots of different reasons. Um, we went to the graduation just a few weeks ago, and it was interesting to say the least. These people are so hindered in so many different ways by where they live. They live in the middle of the desert, and they're taught to be pride, have Native American pride and all that. They don't like asking for help, and I can give you plenty of examples about that. They need Christ more than anything. When Jay and I were talking about that a few weeks ago, they need Christ. When he asked me, John, what's the biggest need of our people? It's easy. You need Christ. And today when he texted me, one of the ways he wants to do that, to try and reach the kids, to change the direction back to Christ is through a church, I mean, through a school. So please be praying that through him and through hopefully who knows who, <laughs> we'll be able to start to open up a school and the kids will be open for that because, again, the educational system out there needs a lot of work, okay? We're going to stick around for questions and all that afterwards and we'll be happy to answer any questions then. Um, we're supposed to end when? Okay. And so should I take questions now or just wait? Okay. If you have any questions, go ahead and ask. My wife is up here if you want to ask her some questions as well. Um, it's not all about me at all. It's about God. And it's about what God is doing through us out there. So please, anybody? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> it's about 10 cents a gallon more expensive there than it is here. So it's, it's right now it's 458 here it's probably 468, 470 there. Uh, it's not as bad as California but it's still pretty horrific. So and again driving 6 hours a week and that's just one church that doesn't that doesn't count uh the other things that we do for other churches. That's just First Papago. To support them and grow them. Yes, sir. I was actually, um, there was a question asked if we have any ongoing contact with Vanessa. I was talking about this before the service. Unfortunately, no. For those of you who don't know who she was before, or who she is, excuse me, uh, you've been praying for her and her husband, Greg, and their kids, their four kids, for years now. They're one of the first contacts that we had on the reservation. Um, her specifically, their family had four suicides in under a year. And the last one was her husband and the father of her children. So much so that uh, we were so involved in their life at the time. Vanessa asked Bethana and I to go out 
with her when it was, she was going to tell the kids about it. So, but unfortunately, no. Um, when we were here last Christmas, two Christmases ago, um, was the last time that uh, we talked to her. Um, when we were up in Carlisle at John Miller's church, uh, we actually did a very short Bible study with her over the phone. And that's one of the last times that we've talked to her. Once we got back, um, she's, she's happy living the way of the world. All right. Anybody else? Yes, sir. There's a book called get, uh, How to Get Rest When the Work's Never Done. How do you all have any... How do you get rest? You notice my wife is laughing. And for good reason. And again, I don't know how to answer that. I really don't. Because my phone is on 24 hours a day. And there are times I get calls at 2 and 3 in the morning from the jails. Or from somebody that I've been working with whose car is broken down beside the highway. And they know they can't count on anybody else. Um, what is a good way of putting that? God is sustaining us. Yeah, absolutely. God is sustaining us. Um, but as far as a regular day off, even a, during the week, we try. Uh, sometimes we'll take a half a day, go to a movie, go out to dinner. But um, there's an awful lot of counseling that gets taken care of and stuff. So we're not sure yet. We're still working on it. How's that? Yes, sir. Does the public education system work on the reservation? The question was, does the public education system work on the reservation? No. No, not at all. Not at all. Again, um, I won't mention any names, but there was a young man I was working with in a Bible club. and Well, not a Bible club, a Bible study a men's Bible study. He graduated with honors at the top of his class on the reservation, and I asked him to read the Bible. I was just passing it around from man to man. He could barely read, and he graduated with honors. Does that answer your question? It's, it's just is what it is. Um, <laughs> speaking of Vanessa, one of the things that uh, Vanessa wanted to do was get her GED because she dropped out of school. Um, and the school district, that they were great. They provided a tutor for her. Um, if Jane was here, I'd, I'd get her up here to talk about this too. Bethana was teaching her English, and I forget what else, um, to help get her to get her GED. Jane was teaching her mathematics, and I was teaching her history, so that way she could pass her GED. Because the tutor that they provided, who was one of the high school teachers, was teaching her all the wrong stuff, literally. And this is the tutor that's supposed to be helping her to learn to get her GED. She finally did get her GED, but that was through us tutoring her. So, yes. No, 
Yeah, I was going to say Beth Ann should be up here for that. No, the name is Chewy. That's for Jackrabbit. There is actually a village called Jackrabbit uh, that's maybe another 15 miles away from Choo Choo. Good question, though. <laughs> another question? Yes, sir. I don't necessarily think so, um, because Jay and other men are definitely in charge. Um, honestly, I think it's laziness. Um, there are some men who are very good and loving um, and are willing to take the step and do what's necessary to lead their families. But again, if the women are happy to take the lead, go ahead. It's less headaches for me. Uh, that's unfortunately the way a lot of men see it. Um, one of the guys that I talked about on there by the name of Merle, Merle has the heart of a deacon. Uh, he really does. He loves serving and all that. He goes to First Papago, and I've been working with him for years trying to get him to step up. Um, and so I'm happy that he's coming to the leadership classes. But he's afraid. He's afraid to take that extra step. He does a lot of work in the church, but just I think that title deacon and the, then automatically the responsibilities that go with being a deacon, he's kind of like, I don't know. So, anybody else? Yes. Uh, what are the personal property restrictions by the government on like how what people can do on the property and can't? Good question. He asked... Uh, he asked, what are the personal property restrictions for the people that live on the reservation? They do not own their property. Uh, they, could, they could have a ranch on that uh, reservation for the last 300 years. They don't own the property. The tribe owns the property. And if the Bureau of Indian Affairs has built that house for them that they live in, they're not allowed to fix it. It has to be the Bureau of Indian Affairs that fixes it. Perfect example, I showed you a picture of uh, Charlene, or Carlene, not Charlene, Carlene. Her house has needed her new roof now for years. Well, they finally had, the BIA had finally delivered all the supplies to fix the roof. And how many months ago is that? Eight months ago, nine months ago, and the stuff is still sitting there, the roof's still not fixed. And the stuff is basically being ruined, sitting out in the sun without being put into place and fixed. There's no pride of ownership for most people. There just isn't because they don't own it. And on top of that, if they do something that upsets the uh, tribal leaders, the district leaders, which is kind of like our states, or even their village leaders, they can be kicked out. It's, I, <laughs> and then what do you do? You know, you're used, you're used to having a place to stay, and all of a sudden you've upset the, the village leaders. What do we do now? Because it's not like here where you can move from state to state to state to state with no big deal. Out there, you can't do that. On the reservation, you belong, in a sense, to that particular district and that particular village, even more specific. You can't even move from village to village in your district without permission of those village elders. And even then, it's kind of frowned upon. You're from Choo Choo? Why would I let you move to Whitehorse? Same district, it's 15 miles away. I don't know why you would want to do that, but 
they're like, no, it just doesn't happen, at least not very often. Anybody else? We're running out of time. Go ahead, sir. Did you try the session? Yes. And uh, it, it's an acquired taste. <laughs> How's that? I have not acquired that taste. <laughs> but I, I like dill pickles, so that's why I was like, yeah, I'll give this a try. Alexander, did you try the pickled slushy? You don't think so? Yeah, I don't think you would like it. But. <laughs> That's my son-in-law, Alexander. All right, one more question, Joseph. You're the last one. It's, it's not as easy as, the question was, would it be possible for us to build a structure so that way we could, in a sense, meet inside to get rid of the sandstorm issue? The answer is yes and no, Joseph. And here's why. Because, again, the people that live there don't own the property. Okay? It's, <laughs> we've talked to some people, um, the people that we have the Bible club at, and said, if we were to buy a, a little portable building, could we put it on your property? And they said yes. But the problem is, it's not even their property. It's his mother's property. So he would have to get permission from her. And then if we do that, Joseph, and they decide, you know what, that's a really nice building, um, you can't use it anymore. We're going to use it. Yeah. You get it? Okay. So that's why, yes, in a sense, we could do that. Because there's a beautiful little, a little, beautiful little Catholic church in the village of Choo Choo. It needs some work. Uh, the name of it, of, of course, uh, I think is just amazing, St. Augustine's. And I would love to use that little church. It's a beautiful little church. Fix up the roof, fix up the ceiling inside. But then once we get it done, if we were to do that, um, thank you, you can't use it anymore. Then what do you do? That's one of the reasons why we don't live on the reservation. We could. It would take a lot of work in order for that to happen. But if we were to upset one of the village, district, or tribal elders, they could kick us off and that would be the end of our ministry. Okay? All right. Again, we're here. If you want to ask some more questions, you are welcome to. Um, how are we closing tonight? All right, with a hymn. Brother, it's all yours. <laughs>